This episode is sponsored by Best of Us. Best of Us is a military veteran community in EVE Online whose name reflects the notion that we potentially lose people who could have been the best of us to a disproportionate suicide rate among our community. They strive to build a strong network of active military, veterans, and friends that reinforce the community's social support network, both in-game and out-of-game. The Best of Us has been around for five years. They have no faction or partisan ties in EVE. They keep their game politics and in-game meta out of their in-game channels. The Best of Us has a partner Discord server with around 250 members worldwide. They have channels on everything from how to deal with the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, professional development tips, as well as various car and truck channels. The struggle is letting people know that Best of Us is here to help. So if you know someone who is active duty or veterans, let Best of Us know about them. You can find Best of Us out of game at discord.gg forward slash best of us or their in-game channel, Best of Us. Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I'm Matterall. I'm here with Carneros. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. And Elise. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. Nice getting some fresh air. Yes, fresh air indoors. Uh, no, we were joking. This planet, lots of fresh air. <laughs> we were joking that uh, uh, these are the haircuts we're going to have for a while. Yeah. All right, where where we're at in the world right now, just to uh, to peg this to real life, is that uh, most of us are entering entering into a stay at home period uh, for the following weeks and possibly months, and uh, that's uh, that's great in some ways, and it's not so great in others. But uh, we're gonna have a casual show today and talk about some of the stuff going on in Eve Online, uh, and and yeah, I'll take it away, guys. I'm just worried about when I have to go back into the real world later and give up my indulgence of my introvert side. Oh, well, it'll be good. Uh, yeah. Good to see you guys. Good to have people to talk to. Thank you. Across the reaches of space. Yeah, I think that's one of the the hidden benefits of, of playing Eve or any like online community, right? Is like, so I see so many people in my timeline and people that I work with, they're like, oh, we're going stir crazy. We have no one to talk to, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, oh, I've got hundreds of friends that I just just talk to regularly through Discord, and uh, so it's a it's a really neat, really neat situation that uh, that we're in specifically. So that's that's very well, nice, and I'm glad that people in in chat are able to like interact as well. So yeah, definitely. It it's also interesting because of the game we play it has so many professionals in it. So uh, you know, I'm talking to a nurse from New York. I'm talking to an emergency nurse from uh, Toronto. I'm talking to a uh, physician from San Antonio. I'm talking to uh, Chinese um, players I'm, that tell me about what's going on over there. I'm talking about, I'm talking to people from Europe. It's just fantastic. It's a, it's a worldwide game. Yeah, it really is. And it really gives you a lot of interesting perspectives that you might not have uh, otherwise. Yeah. So, and also like just the high caliber of players that play EVE Online, it's, I think it's different than a lot of games. Uh, yeah, we just, sort of. We've sort of morphed from uh, from people who play games to, to like young professionals to professionals now in in our yeah. fields, uh, and just so many of us have, have stuck with the game for so long that, that we've just morphed uh, or, or grown yeah. through the years. We're going through life with it and taking all our uh, 
you know, real life experience with us. So it's interesting to be able to exchange with people like that. That's, I think that's what makes one of the things that makes Eve online special. And, and I think CCP even kind of like linked into that, right. When they were saying, this is, it's good for your career. Like I've already built a business inside of Eve. I could probably do it in real life. And that was like, it's the friendship machine, but it's also like the career builder now. Basically, until Eve gets to the EverQuest stage and we're all talking about our aches and pains and retirement. Yeah, exactly. We'll be in the nursing homes playing Eve. I can't wait. The old man pains. All right. Well, thanks for that. Um, checking in on the new world reality and how great it is to have uh, an audience and how great it is to have friends and people who give us uh, information and trade uh, information with us. So thank you guys for watching the show and uh, always being a part of it. All right. Well, what's going on out there? That's what we have to try to figure out. So yesterday there was a, a pretty big fight uh, that went on. It was about 14 people. If you were in anywhere part in the South or if you were near Domain or even even Faction Warfare, low sex space, you probably saw little tie-dye things get pegged every once in a while. Um, and that's because there was a, a fight going on in Providence, of all places, uh, which looks to be the next hotbed for for action if this fight is a indicator of anything. Uh, Wrecking Crew and Siege Green have been like harassing Providence uh, on and off for the last few uh, few weeks, probably a few months, and uh, they ended up reinforcing KVP, uh, which is the gateway system into Providence. Um, you know, it's, it's no one really lives there per se, but it is a very important system to control. Uh, the rest of Providence. Uh, and a lot of people use jump bridges there. So it's it's kind of important to keep that infrastructure up. Um, so Providence said, hey, you know, we've got friends. Uh, these guys, they've just gone one step too far. Uh, we're going to bring in our friends in, in Legacy Coalition, who have been allies with them before. Um, and Initiative said that, hey, we'll show up um, and we'll shoot the bad guys first type thing, right? So they weren't like, hey, we'll help you. It was more of a, as from what I understand at least, it was more of a, hey, we'll shoot the bad guys first and then uh, we'll see what happens from there. And uh, so the Wrecking Crew people and the Siege Green people said, hey, you know, we've got friends in low places too. So they ended up calling in um, Northern Coalition, Pandemic Legion, Pandemic Horde, uh, dock workers. They called in just a bunch of people and they ended up getting a massive force, right? Because everyone from the, uh, uh, everyone that Wrecking Crew and Siege Green called were like, hey, there's not much going on. It's great to fight on someone else's doorstop. So let me, let's just go there. Uh, so they just showed up and there was a, a huge brawl of about 1,400 people. Uh, there, there's no super carriers in the fight at all, which is something wild to say. There were a lot of capitals, but no super caps because NC dot, PL, Panfam, all their stuff is in the north. Um, and Legacy and, and Providence I have a pretty big super cap or capital fleet. So uh, the relatively smaller Wrecking Crew and Siege Green didn't want to just throw their weight around willy nilly just by themselves. So it was a big subcap versus subcap fight with uh, capitals being involved. Lots of faxes going down and um, ended up, we'll, we'll skip to the end a little bit. Uh, Providence ended up saving their timer. Uh, so KVP oh. was saved, uh, but they, they paid a pretty big price for it as uh, our engineer McLeod is showing right now. There's a lot of dead caps and mostly carriers and, uh, and faxes that, that died on the CVA side or I should say the Providence side, because it's more than just CBA. It was, um, yeah. as McLeod pointed out before the show, it was actually a really neat kind of fight, too. Um, because of the, the geography of KBP, 
The fight ended up taking place right next door in a system called BTACW, but on the KBP gate. So the Providence side said, hey, you know, the way the, the little nodes work, they unlock in a constellation. And most of this KBP constellation or the constellation that KBP is in is locked behind, um, like four of the systems are locked behind BTACW. Uh, so it's like a choke point. So they said, hey, we're going to hold this choke point so no one else can get through. And while the fighting is going on, we'll go behind the scenes and behind the lines that no one else can access and we'll uh, you know, save our nodes. So that's ended up uh, what they ended up doing. So tactically, a very sound decision. Is, is that why they had capital so they could jump over that choke point? Uh, probably they were using capitals just so they could have um, uh, more of a, you know advantage, right? Because uh, they knew that the attackers wouldn't be able to field many capitals themselves. So it's a force multiplier for them, and they were outnumbered um, hilariously for them because they, they were the, as the uh, Wrecking Crew and Siege Green people would, would say, they were the first ones to call the bat phone. They just, the Wrecking Crew side just uh, also had a bat phone with them. But it's a little bit of he said, she said type stuff, a little bit of uh, what we come to love from EVE Online. <laughs> but yeah, so the interesting thing is, of all the people that got involved, um, if we can speculate a little bit, it, it is a really interesting uh, scenario, right? Because Legacy don't really have anything to do right now. They got off, they finished a war, and then Test Alliance from Legacy went up to... Uh, fight in the war or fight in the campaign versus dead coalition. Um, but the rest of their coalition had been dealing with uh, the people that live in Stain, the Stain residents. They've been like flushing out a lot of the infrastructure there. And those fights, they're not exactly the most fun, right? Like the, they're fighting someone that doesn't want to fight or, or that wants to take opportunistic fights for them. So you have to be overly prepared for every time where you go to and 99 times the timer is going to be boring. So the legacy guys have like a little proxy war on their doorstep. They know nobody's going to move into Providence and live there in terms of invading forces. So they can help out their friends uh, in, in Providence through Provi Block uh, without risking anything. Uh, they don't have to move or anything like that uh, because they can just get there so quickly. So it's a great for them. Uh, and it's great for people like NC Dot who have nothing else to do now that they defeated... Uh, uh, dead coalition they can take like a very relaxed campaign and, and fight in the south if they if they so choose and uh, mm -hmm. initiative can get involved the uh, imperium can get involved you know very easy kind of close by uh, easy to get there so it's kind of like mm -hmm. this this area where the only loser really is the Provi block people and the providence people uh, because they're going to be the ones that fight on their doorstep that's that's if we we speculate and we're probably reading into it a little bit too much and by we i mean me so who knows? It's, it's going to be an area to I look agree. into for the next uh, for the next few weeks. But it's it's very interesting, and you can see like why it's so um, provocative, <laughs> not provocative, but so interesting for uh, all these other alliances to get involved because it's like just the perfect storm for for everyone but Pravi. So uh, yeah, well, uh, Pravi's always been. I can think of at least three occasions where. Uh, Northern Coalition or, or people who were affiliated with Northern Coalition have vacationed in Providence. Uh, I think you described it best, at least when you said uh, Providence has a respawn. It's a PVP with a respawn. Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty much, right? So the, the area that people definitely there have like very much respawned since the last time there was a big fight over uh, their region. 
Um, the last time it's when um, player owned stations matriculated over to um, uh, Citadel's faction Citadel's. And uh, so Providence was the area that had the most player owned stations per system uh, because, you know, they've just been seating it there forever. So there was like this kind of like gold rush type mentality <laughs> where all the people, oh, yeah. all these like unaffiliated alliances went there to try and, uh, you know, s steal what Providence had and, and steal their gold and control the uh, the player on stations and for when that like little uh, movement happened. Yeah, it's like um, uh, Providence for a long time was uh, collecting um, Happy Meal boxes that meant nothing to anybody else until all of a sudden they said, CCP said, hey, Happy Meal boxes are now gold. And so everybody just ran into that house and took them all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's the last time they had any like very big action. Um, there have been small things and, and small fights that have actually kind of uh, erupted uh, in that area over the last year or so. But uh, but really, it's they've been having a lot of time to rebuild, and they very much have been. Like uh, they've completely restructured everything uh, from the way the alliance works. They have new FCs. They've got new leadership. Some old leadership too. Uh, so now I think the eyes are <laughs> the eyes of everyone are now looking at, at Providence saying, hey, can these guys uh, can these guys sustain another vacation from us or do we need to bring even more stuff down? Because they're very strong. They're actually probably stronger than they've been in, in quite some time, especially if yesterday is any example. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as far as the, the dynamics of the fight go, <clears throat> I'm not sure this one was eventful, but it got up to what, like a hundred and. 160 billion in losses, mostly because of yeah. capital ships. Yeah. So uh, Providence ended up taking quite a big, uh, they ended up losing control of the field and all of their capitals, which were on the gate. Um, they weren't on a citadel where they could like safely get back or anything. They were stuck on the gate uh, or off the gate. Uh, and so as soon as the uh, sub capital fleets got overwhelmed, um, which, which did actually happen, because uh, the, the Panfam side and the NC dot side, they had a, quite a bit of munins. And so they were kind of trading munins uh, for Macarials. And eventually, like once you lose enough Macarials, uh, you can't do anything, uh, right? Like you need a certain amount to be able to have any impact. And if you go below that amount, you're done for. <laughs> uh, you can kill disconnects and squishy targets, but you can't really make any meaningful impacts. Uh, so once that that happened, uh, the subcap fleets, what left of them managed to get out, but the caps, um, most of them <laughs> had to sit there and, and just get just get pwned. It was it was a quite a long cleanup process, especially in 20% tie-dye. There was actually one pretty fun moment because this actually mm -hmm. coincided with um an event that Streamfleet was running called Twitch Plays Eve. No. Oh yeah. Twitch versus Eve. What I think it's, I forget the name of it. It's not I think Twitch, it was Twitch versus Eve. Yeah. It's Twitch versus Eve. Um, where that was basically uh, a bunch of, a bunch of streamers get together and, uh, they host, uh, NPSI fleets, which are just public fleets. The one run by Bjorn B, uh, I think it was the biggest one and it had some CCP in it as well. Uh, it ended up coming into BPACW <laughs> through KBP in a pretty big, uh, serve fleet right when it was kind of all over. They had some, uh, if you're watching Bjorn B at all yesterday, you saw some pretty big fights or some pretty large tie day and uh, quite a lot of ships. Yeah. So that Nick. was, um, sorry, you, you want to tell us what that was? The Carneros, do you know what it was? The 
CCP versus Eve? The, the Rome? No. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right, go on with your point. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to ask, how would, how would this battle have been different if we had the frigate escape bays now that are supposed to come on Tuesday? Like, because there, there are some battleships in this fleet, in this fight, uh, mostly the Macarials. Uh, what if, not that that many Macarials, well, yeah, no, Macarials died in large numbers. If they'd all had uh, frigates inside them, would that have made any noticeable difference to this battle? It had a different feeling to it, a different rhythm. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell, right? Because they, the, the Providence side was, was quite overwhelmed. But imagine like each battleship that dies is um, an assault frigate or something that can go up and tackle mutants or even uh, something like uh, a Kitsune or even a, a lowly griffin or, or anything like that that can take a, a number out of the fight. There was a roaming, sw- a roaming and very annoying swarm of 50 griffins that were going around just jamming everybody. Oh. Uh, from both sides. It took like Providence or uh, Pandemic Horde had to bring in like a jackdaw fleet just to start clearing griffins because the griffins were just jamming everyone and causing chaos. So if you're talking about like people that get to stay on grid and stay on field in something that's just annoying, because you know, FCs have have kind of done target calling the same way for a decade. Not much changes. You, you kind of focus on the big ships and the damage or the logistics uh, so you can clear the damage. And then you kind of ignore the extra stuff that's in the background and let someone else deal with it on this scale. But if you're talking about like for every battleship you kill, there's a new Griffin that's jamming two of your ships or two of your logistics. Or like assault frigates that could eventually overwhelm you and make you split uh, damage uh, and split reps. That could play a role. And it'll be interesting to see if people will utilize the frigate escape bay uh, come Tuesday. Or if they'll just say, ah, well, in, in big flights like this, both ships are going to die. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to like make it more costly for myself. It's not a, gr- a, a griffin is not costly. Uh, that is true. Um, special tip there for talking in space, stocking and stations members, you should each get 10 griffins, fit them up and put one in each battleship just in case, just, just to have it ready on Tuesday. Uh, Lord knows what your leadership will tell you, but it's better than nothing. All right. We have uh, Suetonia and Chad giving us some info on, uh, some of this theory crafting. Also we have Tamaya Cowboy says, uh, E versus Twitch three. So this is the third time that uh, event happened. If I could just describe it real quick, so it's on the record. Uh, it is where Streamfleet, uh, Streamfleet plays Eve. Uh, oh, also it's Eve streamers. Uh, they fleet up and they go out on a roam with well-known FCs like Bjorn B, Pando, Baleful. Those are three FCs. Uh, they go out and just have fun shooting up Eve Online. And uh, I don't know if they do they fight Eve on do they fight uh, CCP or do they just fight everybody in Eve? It's just kind of like a it's Massive a public room, so they go out and, and fight. A lot of the times, um, what ends up happening is there's not a big fight going on at the same time. So a lot of these alliances will fleet up to try and fight them. And then uh, <laughs> different alliances that went to try and fight the, the NPSI rooms will run into each other. Uh, so it'll be oh, <laughs> quite funny. a big disaster. Yeah. So uh, he's, he says this year we had 50 streamers in fleet overall. 
So right, everybody's everybody's streaming that's in the fleet. So you see the exact same fleet from different perspectives with different commentary. Yeah, it's it's really fun. And um, as to my point, there are some pretty massive uh, big name FCs in there. You had Pando in there from the Initiative. Um, uh, Baleful Dysnomia was also there. Uh, Bjorn B, probably the most well known. Uh, he was leading one of the fleets, uh, the one that ended up going into BTACW. So uh, a lot of stuff to watch for people that were stuck quarantined at home <laughs> and wanting uh, an e-fix. Uh, and I think this was one of the more attended ones as well uh, in terms of people that went on the fleets from the community. So it's always nice to, to have that. Right. All right. Uh, there's some things we want to talk about with... Uh, so that thank you very much. That's the Providence fight that just happened. A little bit of coverage there. I think it... Uh, was a big fight, but also it kind of predicts maybe what's going to happen in the future if we um, if we uh, think if we think what's going to happen happens right with uh, NC dot because they are looking to deploy. We got that out of Killer B a while ago that there was something after the destruction of Dead Coalition or that war, and that has ended. So now they're looking for something to do. And Killer B told us there was something that was going to happen. And normally when NC dot and a few other uh, big alliances, when they fight a war, it's pretty taxing. So what they do is they go looking for fun. And one of those places, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Miami beach, <laughs> right? <laughs> they just go there and on spring break and hang out and, uh, pick fights when they want them and that sort of thing. Since, uh, Providence has a respawn for PVP. That's hilarious. So and that's that. got some great allies too. So uh, they're not going to be a pushover by any means. And I think, that's probably going to be where Rensidot goes. If, if I know, if I know Killer B, usually in these situations, like the FC decides, or like the most active FC decides uh, where to go, uh, in, at least for alliances like Rensidot and Pandemic Legion. So uh, I think Killer B also has a history of, of going down towards Providence area. So he knows the area quite well. And he knows, uh, he's got his pulse on what's going on in Eve. So he's probably identified that this area is the most promising for fights of the scale that they want. The fight uh, yesterday of 1400, probably not the scale that he's looking for, um, but it does show that the area has a lot of signs of life. So Tony, I jump into public. I want to talk to you. Oh, he's getting conscripted, isn't he? Yeah, we're going to drag, drag him. Just drag him on the show. Too much good information coming from him. So Canaris ah. did mention, um, or he asked, or positive the question, how would this change uh, with the frigate escape bay that is coming? Um, and we talked about that patch like, is Tuesday. Yeah, that patch is coming on the 24th. It, it's right around the corner. Yep. And we, uh, we were talking a little bit about like uh, strategy wise, what ships you would take and stuff like that. But Suetonia brought in a great point. When you're in, actually, I'll let Suetonia tell, tell his point. He just got here. Hey, Suetonia, how are you doing? Welcome Ooh. to the show. I hope that's him. I just dragged him because I saw the name. We didn't confirm it was him. Yeah, hey, I'm so. doing pretty good. There you are. Yeah, that's him. Uh, that's him. Let's talk frigate bays. Uh, at least you were about to uh, bring up something Suetonia said. What was that? Uh, so he was saying, like, for quality of life, for, like, if you're in that material fleet and you die um, and you're in a fight of that scale, you can't really get back into the fight in another material because there are bubbles all over the place. You'll die along the way. You might have your main ship hub somewhere else. Um, so you just sit there in your pod and tie-dye and watch the world go by until some little frigate comes and kills your pod. And then it's done. Like, that... that Part of your gameplay is completely done. But Suetonia brought up a great point. Like now with the Frigate Escape Bay, you can be in 
a non-interceptor frigate and just do stuff. Like you can actually contribute to the fight or at least feel like you're doing anything. Um, and when I first started EVE, the, the most fun I ever had in fleet fights was I'd be a dictator and I'd, the job of the dictator is to bubble the enemy as they're uh, trying to run away or they're trying to reposition. So the first part of the fight, there's not really much for you to do. You drop your bubble. If you don't die, good job. You sit there cloaked. So what I would do is I would dogfight other, uh, other frigates or other interdictors. So while this whole big fight's going on around me, um, I'm just shooting someone else and trying to reposition and stuff like that. So now that type of gameplay can can potentially come uh, into these fleet fights if you bring the air frigate with you. So Tony, did you find your push to talk key? Uh, yeah, it's working now. Sorry, it's uh, actually because I had it disabled in like a, a, a audio mixer, so it, so like comments yeah. didn't show up on my stream, but I didn't have it enabled, so I couldn't hear you guys. No worries. <laughs> so, what are your thought? What are your thoughts on how this battle might have been different if there had been uh, frigate escape bays? Well, the obvious thing, right? I think you've already touched on it. Is that you can you can basically reship straight away, and there are a lot of frigates that are really impactful. Like even sort of the uh, like E-War frigates that Karmafly and Horde use, like crucifiers. An Alpha account crucifier can completely disable like one Munin from a fight. So, you know, if a Munin kills your battleship, you pop out in a crucifier, you're still like taking away a Munin from that fight. So that could be really impactful. And like if you're doing, uh, if you're just doing like a battleship gang, right? If your dudes are dying, then obviously you don't have enough Logi. And if a Logi figure pops out, suddenly you start to get more and more Logi and then eventually you might be able to hold. Yeah. I've always thought that the the frigate bay was, <clears throat> first of all, I think it has some novelty that's interesting. It reminds me of ghost writing. I've said that a few times. Uh, uh, that was something that happened in the past that was really cool that players invented. But the second part of it was that momentum in battles could swing, at least for the bigger battles, uh, because frigates, if they're utilized correctly in a large enough number, can uh, add some utility that would take momentum away from one side and give it to another, which was an interesting thing. Uh, and Villian Chat also brings up a pretty interesting dynamic. If you're starting to lose battleships, that's when you need a support fleet the most, right? To either clear tackle or just to give yourself an advantage of some sort. Uh, and, and frigates actually serve a great uh, support wing, right? You can kill off tackle. So as you're losing battleships, you're getting more of a support fleet to clear off the tackle to, uh, to free the rest of your battleships to let them pivot around the uh, pivot around the grid. Yeah, a lot of the things that counter battleships too, like stealth bombers and uh, capital ships are not very good at killing things like assault frigates, right? So you could get hard countered by a, a gang like stealth bombers or just other battleships or something that then can't deal with your assault frigates that pop out. It'll be interesting to see how, uh, how people adapt, how 3D crafters adapt uh, to, the, to the change. Also, CCB Signal in chat uh, mentions that one of the main design goals behind the Frigate Escape Bay is exactly what Suetonio was talking about. Um, it's so when you die in your battleship, or if you die, the fight just doesn't stop for you, right? You can, you can enter this new phase uh, where you can still enjoy uh, you know, the action and, and change kind of the dynamic of what's going on, rather than just sitting there in your pod until someone kills you or, and just looking around. But not just for the individual player. What's interesting for us is to look at battles that have momentum swings, right? Because that's exciting. Even after the fact, that's what you talk about is how an FC made certain decisions or players made certain decisions, or there was even a hero player that did a certain thing. That changed the dynamic of the battle. 
And here you have a mechanic that now plays uh, a further variable in basically clouding the outcome. Like you don't know if you're going to win and that makes it exciting for everyone. Yeah, I think it might, depending on how people take to it, it might make, uh, it might bring battleships back into the meta. Battleships kind of have this like middling area in the meta that sometimes are very, very popular. Uh, and then sometimes they just get outclassed by, by other ships that are a little bit more uh, maneuverable. Um, but battleship PvP has always been, as an FC, it's always been um, my most favorite type of, of PvP. Just because it, it feels like you're just sitting there and slugging it out uh, more often than not, rather than kind of like moving around. And so I don't know, something just feels good. And, and one of my favorite is sitting in a Roke. Like uh, the Roke as a ship is one of my, and the Abaddon, the armor version of the Roke. Um, it, it just feels so good to just sit there in your, in your Roke. You just fire away uh, at another battleship or something like that. I can, I can tell what era you're from just by your... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's your like two battleships blindsiding or like broadsiding one another. It just feels good, right? I, I, just, I don't know how to, else to describe it. Yeah, they used to call it brawling. Uh, but the Rorik is a long range and Abaddon is short range, isn't it? Normally. I mean, uh, the Abaddon kind of is like a... Like zero to eighty, pretty much, and the uh, the rogue is <laughs> zero to two hundred, depending on how you fit it. Yeah, I remember them at two hundred usually. They were also um, Rourke was actually an underrated mining ship for new players for a long time. Right, and that's not, not a helpful tip now, though. <laughs> yeah, is that is that over? <laughs> yes, it's oh, over. A long time ago. Plus, when you're flying a, a rock, you can just sing "Can't Stop the Rock" to yourself, and then. <laughs> It just feels good too. Like there's just so many elements of a battleship PVP that feels good. Um, in World War B or the Casino War, battleships were really, really popular as well. But this time it was like pirate battleships and faction battleships. Uh, basically, everyone was flying a, a pirate or a faction battleship, and that's probably where the meta is going to keep going to. I know Legacy really like nightmares. Um, they're kind of the only group that likes nightmares. Is Try also really liked rattlesnakes. Uh, so each like area has an FC have this really distinct uh, feel to it, especially when you take battleships. Isn't um, I thought everybody they they come and go in popularity, but the nightmare is like a glass cannon battleship, right? It has some heavy duty damage, but doesn't have a very good tank or defenses. So they get killed pretty fast, pretty easily, but they can really really uh, alpha a lot of things. Uh, it seemed like everybody had a nightmare fleet for a while. I can. Does that come and go, Elise, or how, how does that work? So the Nightmare kind of was a crappy battleship for the longest time because it looked so good on paper. Tachyons, if you go with that route, or Mega Beams, have like the, the second highest alpha in the game, but a lot of high damage as well, um, much better than howitzers. And so they always looked appealing. But what gave them uh, a big boost is when they got the, the Sanchez Afterburner bonus. So now these ships can go not quite micro warp drive speed. They they can go pretty fast with just an afterburner. Um, so their tank, while on the paper, might look pretty thin. Uh, it's got a pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good against uh, tracking stuff. It's got a bigger engagement envelope, right? So you're not just stuck. That, that's always been the one bad thing about battleships, right? You're just stuck somewhere, um, and you have to watch the fight go around you and make the fight come to you. Um, but with nightmares, they're very maneuverable on the field because of that afterburn bonus. So they can like zip around. You can even MJD and have afterburners going if you are really crazy. Um, and their guns have a lot of applied damage, as you mentioned. Applied damage. I think that's the 
the key. Uh, and so that's interesting. And this is more of a basic point for players that are not that familiar with EVE Online, but battleships are slower. So you have to have the fight come to you. You're not able to maneuver as much. I guess uh, micro jump drives change that dynamic a little bit in that you can jump a hundred or a thousand uh, kilometers. Uh, that gives you some more tactical possibilities as a battleship fleet. I think they also sped up, didn't they also speed up uh, battleships recently, to, at least they, for travel? They slowed them down and then sped them up. <laughs> um, so they, they're still actually pretty slow to move around. By the way, that was 100, 100, 100 kilometers. Or I'm getting my uh, measurements wrong. Battleships are back to uh, three light years a second now, right? When that was what everything warped at before CCP changed the warp speeds in the retribution patch. Or was it Inferno? I can't remember what patch it was, but I think battleships now are back to the old warp speeds they were before CCP uh, like changed all of the warp speeds around. It's just that everything right. else is going comparatively faster. Yeah. <laughs> so, it feels was, worse. so there was a time where everything warped. Um, so normally what's supposed to happen is a ship will have a warp speed and that's how much time it travels in warp, uh, how fast it travels. And it used to be broken. So it used to be the same for every ship, right? I well, think some ships are a little faster. Like uh, frigates used to be six and like most ship ships in the game used to be like three. A few things were slower, like freighters and oh, capitals. Okay. But the variation... Yeah. yeah, like a cruiser, a battleship, and a battle cruiser would all warp at a, about the same speed. Right. And so people could get to places faster in their warships. Uh, and then there was a patch, and I don't know how many years ago that was, maybe five, where they said, okay, every ship's going to have a different uh, warp speed. And so battleships got really slow for traveling. So you, I think some of the problems with that is you couldn't get to the fight fast enough or... Uh, if you were roaming, it took a long time. Or, you know, who knows what the... But anyway, you were slower in warping, but you're still... But you were... Uh, but, you're, but now that they've changed that and readjusted it to make the battleships even faster so they can get to places faster, the ship is still considered slow uh, on the battlefield? That's a question. With the exception of the, the Nightmare, right? So the Nightmare gets this bonus, as we said, to the, uh, to the Afterburner. So it can, it can move around and it can actually... It does a better job tanking against um, like uh, fighters and stuff like that because of that speed, and it can also fight the uh, hacks and cruisers and battle cruisers, which were very meta, uh, quite a bit better because it can it can kind of keep up with uh, a Ferox fleet, which which made it good. But as as you mentioned, battleships the they do feel a little bit slow uh, even now to go on. Uh, it's not necessarily going from place to place. It just, I, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's when other stuff goes faster than you, you're very acutely aware of how slow you're going uh, in war. It's, it's like when they're in range and you're in combat, they feel better than other ships. They feel great. But when the battle's happening and you can't reach it and it's out of range and you can't get there, they feel more frustrating sometimes than if that were the same case and you were in a cruiser, I don't know what it is. It's, uh, but it's just cause it's great when you're there. One of my uh, favorite things of, of PVP, especially when I'm like a uh, very small scale, like Pico gangs, I think they call it, or just solo. I always used to love flying battleships. Um, you know, everyone, the, the adage is definitely 
for when you're trying to break into PvP. There, everyone everyone says, "Oh, just take a frigate, just get fifty of the same frigate, and, and when they're all dead, you'll be good at that frigate." I always found that advice to be awful. I love taking bigger ships because frigates have like these like small moments where if you screw up, you're dead. Like you're just done. It is not forgiving at all. Where battleship, you can screw up all the time. You can just click the wrong buttons, which I constantly do, uh, and nothing bad happens. Like, oh, I wasted a, a cycle of cap. Oh no, it's it's only like this small sliver that's gone. It's very forgiving. Uh, the problem being that uh, engaging stuff in a solo battle, solo battleship is is pretty hard. Yeah, new chill. Oh, real quick, new surprise guest. We have Billy in here with us, but finish uh, at least. Oh, I was, I was going to actually take it to um, the, the patch that's coming soon. Uh, Losec Wait, does get a little bit of love, and there are going to be new uh, battleships, battleship-only, well, not battleship-only sites, but uh, new wait, sites. Wait, 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 hold, hold, can go. hold for one second. Sorry. I, I'm sorry to do that. Uh, Vili, are you here? Yep. What's up? Hey. Awesome. We're just trying to do live uh, voice checking to see what your level is, but... We're about to move to a different topic, but I want your thoughts on the uh, the Frigate Bay. I think they're really awesome. From the moment I was shown them, they, they've looked pretty cool. It, it's not a, it's not something that adds, you know, an incredible amount of depth, but it's something that adds a lot of interesting, like, unique depth. It, it's just, uh, it's a really nice, smooth addition, I think. And hopefully uh, it'll allow us to go further down that path at a later time. That'd be my hope. Yeah, so we have Suetonio who does a lot of small gang combat, and uh, it's interesting to get his perspective on it. And we have Vili, who does a lot of large-scale combat. So it's interesting to get that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, our, our first, uh, like, when I put up my post there last week about the test deployment, uh, we, you know, basically said it's going to be retributions within our default battleship fleet. So th that's currently our plan and go-to for how we're going to uh, utilize it, so... We'll see how it goes. It's obviously, you know, nothing quite works out in practice as theory crafting uh, says it will, but usually you can at least take a little bit of a gander at how it'll work and piece it together. That'll be very cool. So are you going to be, uh, do you think you're going to be running more battleship doctrines to, to test these escape bays? No. <laughs> like the, the only real good, ba like good battleship doctrines right now are pretty like limited. There's, uh, you know, uh, Balgor not Balgorns, uh, Macarials, which are kind of like we're seeing a lot of up in the catch area. A couple groups of rattlesnakes, but they're basically useless if you don't have cap control. Um, nightmares are utilized in a no cap control context at some t points, but they're pretty rarely used. And uh, the, the meta just isn't super for them right now. Uh, and, you know, most of the. I know Imperium does, I know Legacy does, and I think. That's it. Actually, have both the Megatron Apocalypse kind of combo as like a a line battleship, so like just a lot of soldiers in front of you kind of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, battleships still have a ton of weaknesses. They're super vulnerable to bombs. They've got all kinds of sourcing issues where the you know minerals right now are becoming more rare, so they're harder to produce. At the same time, uh, they they don't do particularly well into the hack meta, which is what we currently have now. Um, so. We're bringing a battleship along with our uh, current deployment, but we're not expecting it to see a ton of usage, but I'm sure it'll see at least a little. You know, interestingly enough, I've been uh, tinkering about in, in low sec, uh, low sec fights and like high sec wars. 
And battleships are used a lot of the time because, uh, as you mentioned, the scale is completely different uh, in most of these fights. You're talking like 50-man fleets kind of at the higher end top uh, for a lot of these uh, like low-set groups and high-set groups. Uh, and they just love the, the battleship as a hull uh, because of the damage they can put out, right? So you have yeah. like Vindy's and Leshak's, they're, they're great for, for fighting other people. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mention easier. at all the Lashaks because Lashaks are massive for the wormhole community right now, uh, just because of their mass. You know, Lashak, Balgorn, Vindicator all have kind of like that, where the the Vindy webs them, the Balgorn newts them, and the Lashak like just kills them. Kind of a trio of battleships that are utilized, and obviously uh, Tempest fleet issues. You're seeing a little bit of usage in Losek as well because they're kind of like the the indie developer Bal uh, material. Like they they just they basically do the same thing, but they're slightly different. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, there's there's places for all of these battleships to have a role and to exist. But, you know, when you're looking at trying to fight like a 200-man Munin fleet, then you don't have a ton of options, unfortunately, in terms yeah, of... Yeah, you have to definitely scale it down uh, and scale the type of engagements down. Low sec, high sec, no bombs, right? Some things you, you don't have to worry about. No bubbles to keep you from morphing around. So a lot of the the pain points for battleships go away when you take it down to a, a certain scale. So I wonder if those guys, yeah. if they have any plans to use uh, these. Oh, I, I would, I would imagine so. Like especially for like low sec and uh, high sec. Like if you're in a one of those kind of slug slug out fights, you know, if you die and then pop out in an Enyo or a Retribution or whatever, and all of a sudden you now have like especially in high sec and low sec where you don't have bubbles for tackle, you now have a heavy tackle ship that can hold your enemy down that has to be killed. You know, Retributions and or I say retributions, but I mean assault frigates in general uh, have a ton of tank. They're super difficult to just remove because of their low signature radius and like massive resist. You know, like an assault frigate with its assault damage control on is like sixty thousand EHP with like twenty five sig if they've got a you know uh, afterburner on. They're just like near impossible to remove to a degree, and they also pump out like one hundred fifty two hundred DPS pretty consistently at like uh, short range. So. Uh, you know, you're you're even getting like almost a third of your battleship's DPS back on grid almost right away. So th there's definitely uh, a situation where we're going to see them very consistently in low sec and high sec. Would be my opinion. I don't be cool to see how that meta develops for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, with the armor stuff, I, I think the Enyo and the Ishker both need like a little bit of a buff to uh, bring them up to par with the other assault frigates, uh, but. So I think it's going to be a whole lot of retribution online, unfortunately, because most of the battleship fleets that exist right now are armor-based. And obviously, if you're dealing with shield-based ones, then it's going to be like Harpies and uh, Hawks, almost probably. It'll almost exclusively be Harpies and Retributions, to be honest. But uh, it's also important to remember that you can fit these with um, the logistics frigates as well, right? So... If you're in a situation where you properly say, you know, everybody before you load up your battleship, pick a number between like one and four. If you picked a three, you know, make sure you have a logistic frigate in there. And then as people die, you're also increasing your logistics capability, which could be huge, right? So especially because on armor ships, those reps catch a little quicker, which means that you increase the chance that somebody will uh, survive. So uh, it, it will add definitely at least a little bit of extra gameplay to end new mechanics to the way battles are fought in all sectors of space. That is neat. Yeah, the those logic frigates is something that's easy to forget about, but those things are super effective compared to uh, their size, right? So 
you're talking about an AF or an assault frigate that it's like a third of the DPS. And then you're talking about the, the repping power of one of these little uh, logistics frigs, uh, something like two thirds of the repping power of a uh, uh, logistics cruiser in some cases. I don't know if it's two thirds, but I think it's close to half or maybe around half somewhere there. But it, it's pretty it's pretty powerful, especially when, you know, you throw in the resistance multipliers, et cetera. Uh, you know, a single logistic frigate might be eliminating, you know, two whole battleships worth of DPS incoming. So it's a. Uh, it's an interesting equation to try and play with. So Tony, you do a lot of uh, smaller scale stuff uh, in, in your, your EVE life. How do you think the, the frigate escape bay is going to work uh, in practice? Uh, I think it'll be very impactful, especially for like small gangs, especially for uh, like things like filament rooms too. Like, a lot of times when you're roaming out of a wormhole or something, like as soon as you lose a dude, like you're fighting a standing fleet or something, that person has to go back. Or if they're in a filament fleet, they basically can't rejoin your gang. But if they just come back out in a frigate straight away, they're, they're still useful. So like if you fight a standing fleet, like smaller fights tend to be a lot more bloody because there's less logi and there's more like DPS compared to logi. So a lot of the time, even if you like wipe someone's like 20 man standing fleet with your 10 man fleet, you're still going to lose like two guys, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, I forgot about the, okay, I didn't forget about the filaments, but I forgot the, about the implication for the filament roams. Um, because there's no mass restriction when you take a filament. It's not like a wormhole. There's just a hard cap on the number of uh, like <laughs> capsuleers that go through. So you kind of double, <laughs> in a sense, you double uh, that number when you go through uh, with a battleship um, on a filament fleet. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah, another uh, potentially really interesting use for like solo and small gang usage too is, you know, like the guys who run like really high-end implants, like, you know, the big micas and Lucy Lou's of the world. If they're flying like some pimp dead space battleship, then a lot of the time their uh, high-grades Asclepians or snakes or whatever they're running are going to be at risk. But what you could do is you could put like a, uh, like a Tenement Succubus, you can get an Astero in there too, or something like that, like a frigate that's really fast and hopefully can get away if you lose your battleship to a group of dudes. And then like that means that you have a very good chance of saving your pod potentially. Or at the very least, you can shoot your wreck and kill it to, to deny uh, to deny the loot going to your opponent. Loot denial. That one seems like a little bit of a bitter thing to do. But something I would 100% see people doing, no, no doubt. Or it might buy them, you know, as they jump out in their frigate, didn't require time to pull all their implants so nobody can see just how bad their loss was. All the bitter things you players do. I would for sure be a wreck shooter, no doubt. Wreck shooter. I would, I would end up screwing up and just shoot a drone by accident too, and then just aggro them all into me. But whatever, I'd try to wreck, uh, shoot my wreck. All right, talking with engineering so, career. Uh, go, go ahead. Sorry. So this this patch is themed loyalty to Losec. Is that the right name? Did I get that right for this Tuesday? So it's got the Kings of Losec thing. It's got the faction war for updates. Um. Uh, the let's the kings of Losec thing, Suetonia. Do you think it's people are going to uh, change their behavior in Losec because of this uh, contest running? Absolutely, everyone always likes to you know wave their dicks around and get a flag on the CCP HQ. So that part does sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> so the. 
the, I'm imagining the what the Icelanders would say if there were, say, the fraternity flag with the angry panda face flying over the CCP building and how they would interpret that in the greater Reykjavik community. Oh, I thought you were talking about waving D's around. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I meant the flag <laughs> over the headquarters. That would crack me up. Anyway. I was going to say there's part of the, uh, the event uh, for LOSEC. So there's an increased drop rate uh, for loot, right? There's a few iterations for faction warfare stuff. And then there's, as Corneros was, was mentioning, uh, a new event to go along. It starts on, I think, the 26th, if I'm not mistaken, and goes for five days. And um, the rules are up on, the, it's called Champions of Losec Event. The rules are up on the EVE Online page. Uh, but the, the, the net, net of it is that you can, like the, the group or alliance that, kills the most ISK value of ships uh, and modules that are not dropped and not including uh, uh, citadels or anything like that, not, not including structures. Uh, the winners get commemorated by having their flag flown above the CCP offices, uh, which is kind of like a, an interesting thing to something, or like an interesting uh, retake on something that happened like seven, six, seven years ago as well. It had a little bit different name last time, but they've run this contest before. What what happened last time, Elise? Do you remember? So I was very surprised to see them bring it back uh, because it wasn't necessarily the... I, I, maybe it was really, really fun for other people too. But so what ended up happening is they had a similar type of event, uh, type of event uh, in 2013, 2014, I think towards the end of 2013. A bit that scrolled over into the beginning of 2014, uh, where the people that killed the most uh, of anything in LOSEC uh, would have their flag flown at the CCB offices. So Pandemic Legion deployed to Amamaki and just dropped on everything that moved. They camped gates. Any fight that was bigger than like two or three people got stuff dropped on it. It was, uh, by and large, terrible for everyone that wasn't PL living in the Amamaki vicinity, uh, they, they really started complaining about it and uh, bemoaning the presence of PL, just ruining everything. Uh, but I mean, it was a completely different type of game, right? So carriers could move pretty freely across the, across Sweden as long as you had jump or as long as you had Sino characters. You go from one end to the other without incurring any uh, uh, jump fatigue. So it was much easier to, to kind of ruin the day all over the place. Uh, but what ended up happening is uh, Pandemic Legion ended up winning, but there was an asterisk, uh, asterisk on it because um, the precursor to Snuffbox, uh, which I, I don't know if it's actually fair to call them the precursor to Snuff, but there was a lot of groups that left that to, to join Snuff called Urine Alliance. <laughs> um, there was a, a CCB Dev Caravan event that ended up coinciding with the, this Kings of Losec event. Uh, and they had Aurora implants and they were like loot pinatas. So you would kill them. The idea was you CCP would fly out in an all CCP man fleet. Um, and they would be carrying with them like cosmetics, faction ammo, uh, Plex in some cases. And so when you kill them, they'd be pinatas and then everyone would come and fight over the Rex. And then people fighting over the Rex would get shot. And it was just this like, great content uh, driver. But uh, a lot of them also had high-grade implants and Aurora implants that Z-Kill uh, put a very large value on. 
And so uh, the the Urine Alliance group, they ended up sniping a bunch of pods. Um, and technically, a lot of the pods were had incredible value because you could not get, they were like CCP only implants that you could only get. Uh, so they petitioned CCP and said, hey, we, we didn't kill as many ships, but we killed the most value because these things are irreplaceable. Uh, so they had to, to concede that uh, Urine Alliance had found kind of like a, a loophole in the rules. And so they had two flags flown, which is all well and good. Um, but EVE players are, uh, as Vili, Vili pointed out before, they're a little bit bitter sometimes and a little bit more conniving. Uh, so a PL member, or at least by now a former PL member, I think he's still in PL actually, uh, who lives in Iceland, uh, took offense to this <laughs> loophole, went to the CCP offices and actually took the physical flag uh, off of the building to leave only one flag remaining. <laughs> And so they had to get the, they had to like, peti- uh, not petition, but they had to like put a call out to the police to say, hey, someone stole property from our office, <laughs> get the, get this flag back, et cetera, et cetera. So it was kind of. As ever, PL setting an example for the EVE community. Uh, yeah, actually the, the member was not only a PL member, he was actually from my corporation. So that's why if you look at my uh, corp description, it's uh Eve Online captured the flag champions of the last decade. Who was the CEO at that time? Uh, it was still me. Still me. It wasn't Viper. So <laughs> what you're saying is that you were responsible? I guess. I guess I was responsible for for stealing the flag. I was also the one that made people go down to to actually participate in the event too. So I'm du- I'm doubly responsible. Tisk tisk. But now they, they closed all those loopholes. If you actually read the, the uh, Champions of Losec event, uh, they actually closed all those loopholes. And that's, and that's the reason why. So if you're, if you're ever curious about how EVE players have ruined fun games before, look no further <laughs> than talking in stations. Okay, we asked Sutoni if, if he thought that Losec players would behave differently for this contest. Let's also ask Vili if he thinks that Nullsec players would behave differently for this low sec uh, contest, are they going to go out there and uh, change regions and go shoot stuff? No, <laughs> like no sec is like like if you can't be there the whole time, um, you know, like arguably to have a chance at winning, you're gonna, you know, no sec is known for min maxing and optimization and all the rest, right? And like I can look at this in five seconds and know that no no sec any really has a chance because you basically have to live in no sec somewhere in the center of no sec to maximize your kill amount. And you have to do that consistently and completely for an extended period of time, which means you effectively are not a NullSec alliance at that point. So no NullSec alliance is going to sit there and just, you know, ah, we're going to go to LowSec for a couple weeks, boys. You know, we're just going to try and find kills and stuff. Like if your pilots are not established and, you know, they're not, that's not their play style, they're not going to just naturally adapt to it. So NullSec is definitely not. I mean, don't get me wrong. There'll be NullSec pilots, you know, out in low sec fishing for, for kills just like there always is but not in like any way where they're planning to actually compete for victory in this competition i still there is like a, an interesting little bit of a wrinkle because it's uh value of the ship and value of the items that get destroyed so you could just get if, if the imperium wanted their flag if some group from the imperium wanted their flag flown right or some other hyper rich group they could just take zenitras out and and kill them right and they would just take them to the low sec closest neighboring to them and just get the final blow 
on all I don't know if there's that many Zernitras. They're only like 10 bill now. Like you would have like, like even some of the groups that like camp those low sec, low sec pipes in the East, you know, they kill like two or three supers a week still. Like you would have to kill like 50, you would have to sacrifice like 50 plus Zernitras just to keep up with them. But it could be done, right? If you're petty and you want uh, your flag float above the offices, then you can anything is possible. Eve players are bitter and vengeful and egotistical and crazy, and anything is possible when you know the the most autistic nerds imaginable put their mind to it. We can find a way to screw over someone else. Never doubt <laughs> the, 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 the Eve populace. Do upwell structures hmm. count? Upwell structures do not count. Uh, thankfully, okay. otherwise, I think just keep stars would be dying left and right, and they'd be being reinforced like right now. So. Thank goodness for that, uh, because that would be pretty miserable if they make this event and then the only result is some null set groups in to kill kill the some keepstar and, and Fortas are through low sec. I'm actually kind of disappointed at that because there's only like a handful of low sec keepstars. Like there's like what, five, six of them, something like that. Uh, t- to me, like it, it, nobody was going to go kill Even them less. anyways that I can think. Yeah. Even uh, less high sec keepstars. Well, it's not for high sec and you're welcome to try. Bring it on. <laughs> But, um, you know, to, to me, like, I, I still don't think you would have seen much content around the low set keep stars, but it would have created enough incentive that maybe somebody makes a play for one of them, which could have been interesting. Good content kind of thing. So uh, Vili does bring up a pretty good point. If you you probably don't realize just how much ISK gets, dis- gets destroyed by people camping like the Rancer Gate. Um, I used to have a friend who... Uh, was a smart bomber in Rancer. Yeah, or at exactly. Least that area. Uh, he would just have like seven rokes. I'm going to bring it back to the rokes. They were a smart bomb fit. And he would just sit there all day when someone would come through. He'd time, um, uh, like he would like scan who the ship was coming. He'd time it, smart bomb it, blah, blah, blah. And he was making like 50 bill a week just from drops, just by doing it himself. Uh, he was basically earning a Titan a week. Uh, wow. It's insane how much value gets destroyed through that pipe. Um, why why yeah. do they even yeah. use that pipe? It well, usually it's people that are uneducated about the, the dangers of low sec. They're, so the pass from Jita to the east usually goes through that pipe, I believe it is, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. if you want to run blueprints from Galente space or Caldari space into Mimimistar space or vice versa, usually your autopilot, if you don't have it set on stay safest, will take you through that pipe. And, you know, people will run blueprints through there. They'll run implants. They're like, oh, I'm going to take a shuttle or a scepter. I'll be fine. They can't catch me. Ha, ha, ha. And then you, like, take two two gates in, and then you're like, I'm just making great. Oh, I'm smart bombed. I'm dead. And, like, then there's this nice juicy can of, you know, fancy implants or BPOs or whatever else sitting on the gate for the smart bomber. And, you know, they're paid quite well to do it. Um and, you know, as you can see by the kill boards that, you know, Matter I was looking at there, you know, there's all kinds of people running, you know, nice implant sets. So even if their destroyed value is, you know, not or the loot dropped is not particularly high week to week, the amount of money they'd kill just in implant sets and everything else uh, is quite astronomical. And like there's no way aside from, I think, of the Victor Victorious lot. The luxury yacht, whatever it is, I think is like the only ship that like basically can warp around like that and do it in basic safety. But even that is not guaranteed if they have a proper cargo can set up on the uh, jump in. So I'm just traveling through low sec is dangerous. 
Yeah, I'm just wondering why people even use that gate. Because the only the only thing on the other side of that gate is like Heck and Wrens. Uh, but I guess they're trying to get east in general. Yeah, so it cuts off if you want to go to the to the eastern areas. If you want to go to Minmatar space, pretty much in general, it cuts off something like 15 jumps. And so you're sitting in Jita or wherever if wherever you are, probably Jita, and you're like, man. I could just cut off these 15 jumps and there's hardly <laughs> anyone here. I might as well just do <laughs> but, it. And, and it's like, it but, goes into the thing that Billy was mentioning. Like, I'll just take something small. Like, no one's going to catch something small, right? So I'll just take it. And then boom, dead. Yeah, but I'm, I'm even thinking like, who's looking at Minmatar space thinking, yeah, that Minmatar space, I got to get out there. Like, Well, it's so not much. just the Minmatar space, though. It's the drones. It's all of the Southeast. Like, it's all of Curse, Great Wildlands. Like... There's a lot of space that, in theory, is connected to Jita through that pipe. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Let me introduce uh, Bjorn B., uh, one of the FCs that participated yesterday. I dragged him in here. How's it going, Bjorn? I'm good. What's up? Hey, good to hear from you. Uh, I'm sorry we're going super casual on this show, but I can't stop uh, dragging people I want to hear from here. So I'm, I apologize. Good, man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, especially with this new patch that we just started talking about. Um, where, where are we on this patch, Elise? I lost track. Or Carneros? Well, the only things we've talked about about it so far is the uh, Champions of Low Set Contest, which I associate with the patch, even though it's technically separate. And then the Frigate Escape Bay. We haven't talked about the Faction Warfare briefs with the uh, buffs, with the uh, enhanced acceleration gates, as I like to think of them. It's like 2.0 with fancy lighting and, you know, uh, and greater activation range. I wish they'd do that to all acceleration gates. It's just faction warfare. Uh, it's a but, cool little uh, thing that they're adding though. It's uh, at least something different and especially the uh, change to um, the security status hit that people don't get then if they're in faction warfare for all the neutral pilots like me flying around. It's a really cool addition for the ones who are in faction warfare taking you know that part of the game seriously. Yeah, that was a big oh, one wow. that people brought up to me that it was just like, this is so infuriating that I have to be the one taking the security status hit, you know, as I sit in my plex and somebody comes in looking 100% to kill me. But if I don't take the security status hit, then they get the free web, the free point, the free warp scramble. Like, you know, you're just creating the situation where a lot of, you know, uh, frigate fights or cruiser fights or any of these fights, uh, they're all designed around who can properly set up the engagement with their ship in the best way. And if you're in a situation where you have to, you know, stand back and be careful and not don't want to get the security status hit, then you, uh, then you're in trouble and, you know, they lose access to their high sec hubs. It causes all kinds of problems with, you know, needing tags to fix things. It just, it's just a nightmare that, you know, it's hard to believe it wasn't fixed a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with you. It was one of those, uh, like, like this weird interaction, right? So, um, uh, back in the day, if we want to go on the way back machine, when you shot someone, if they shot you back, uh, then you wouldn't take a, a standing set, but then they changed how crime watch worked. And that was no longer the case. So a lot of these faction warfare pilots, especially um, as the guys were mentioning, like they would <laughs> they would have to either wait to get shot in order to, to shoot back. if They didn't want to uh, have to fix their standings or they would just have to like eat this big standings hit uh, and then have to use tags to get it back up. So now the change that will be on Tuesday is when you activate when a non faction warfare pilot activates um, a, a gate to a plex. Uh, like a um, FW Plex, they will become suspect. So they can be shot freely uh, by anyone, really, for for five minutes. Fifteen. Fifteen minutes. I know mechanics. 
It's just, <laughs> it's just a standard timer, right? As far as I'm tracking. I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm 90% sure it's a standard 15-minute timer. It's okay. And, 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 and now I'm like, maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Maybe you're, yeah, that's what happens. I said uh, Battleship jumps uh, 100 kilometers. Is that right or wrong? I don't even know anymore. But MGD, yeah. Oh, but you're um, completely right with the uh, having to wait to engage someone because you're worried about that. It, it's going to cost you a lot of fights if you hesitate and let them have like the first shot. That little bit of like them pulling range a couple of kilometers could lose you a fight. So being able to freely engage anyone who comes in if they're not part of your faction warfare is, is great. Good for those who are doing it. Yeah, and and I a, mean, especially with like, you know, webbing and warp scrambling, et cetera. Like yeah. a lot of fights are designed around who has the range advantage, who has warp scramble advantage, et cetera. And if you have to delay your web until they get their web on you, then in many cases, that means the fight's over for you. Like you've lost. There's another neat iteration as well. Um, so right now there's... Um, maybe Suetonia or Bjornby can, can go through the FW plexes that exist now, but there's like a novice, a small, a medium, uh, and a large, which is basically just this crappy thing because it's got no gate, so anything could be there. Um, but they're adding a new complex uh, for battleships and, and down. So it's, I don't know what they're going to call it, but it's going to be a battleship a gated complex. Uh, do, do you guys think that's going to make any, any big changes? Uh, in the uh, like low sec meta in terms of PvP, possibly it's hard to tell. Like you will be able to. Uh, the the main thing, right, is you could bring a bunch of battleships in there, or a bunch of battle cruisers inside, and someone wouldn't be able to just warp a capital to you if you're like inside the plex already. Yeah, and, and so one of the most more annoying thing about the larges, right, is they're completely open, so anyone could just warp there at at pretty much any range they wanted between zero and a hundred. Um, but now, if so, when you have to have a gated one, the acceleration gate, you know where they're going to end up inside the plaques, right? So you can set up for it. I heard some people talking about wanting a battle cruiser sized one, but I think the battleship one's kind of cool, especially because the, uh, the reason Suetonia just outlined not being able to just bring a hard red or a couple of capitals, you can then make some kind of battleship doctrine to, to hold inside of one of these remote direct battleships, maybe. I don't know. People are going to come up with so, something uh, cool. I, I know one of the, the main concerns about this was Mara like there's just no place for Marauders in the current uh, game at all. Like at all. Right. If you like Mar somebody made like a meme video, I can't remember who it was, where it was like, you know, the number one attribute of Marauders getting capitals dropped in you. Right. Cause you, you literally just sit there and you can't move once you initiate your bastion module. And you know, that that's just like a signal to everyone. It's like time to come drop caps on you. And th there's no way around it. And they're so, expensive enough to be targets for those for that kind of effort. Well, yeah, well, the, yeah. The, the thing is, right, it's the same cost to lose like a Horde Dread that it costs to lose a Marauder with insurance. So you might as well just fly the Horde Dread because the, the Horde Dread dies to everything that the Marauder dies to. And it's better because it can jump to where it's going to. So you can actually get it in stealthily and it just does double the DPS and it has like five times the tank. So you might as well just use the, the Horde Dread, right? Well, exactly. And like, you know, people really want to use marauders i think there's a great desire because they're one of those ships that that have this incredibly strong active tank so they, so they can be kind of the the center of like a kitchen sinky composition and you know they're just they're actually really good content driving ships except for the fact that the content they currently drive is just to get capitals dropped on them which is not ideal at all and you know, there, there's definitely a hope that this will improve that and it will increase the ability for battleships to just see combat in 
uh, low sec, which is not about just getting capitals dropped on them, which is the main problem with battleships in basically all sectors of space right now is that they're just so vulnerable to capitals because of their large signature radius, their slow speed, etc. Yeah. So the Marauders, they're used to run missions. I know this because I bought a Varger in Stain uh, that I was running level four missions with to get the uh, Shield Slaves. And they were, they were runs great. It's good for that. Um, but there's such a trap. Like, here's what happens if you want a PvP in a Marauder. You get one good fight. Uh, and it's it's like an whoa, whoa, whoa. you rush. get one good fight like yeah. what, what, what no, magic world are you in where you get a good fight <laughs> there's something in the code where if you're taking out a marauder for the first time ccb knows this and sends you like four of the most ill-prepared people and they like break their mouse or something so you end up having this great endorphin rush of a fight where you're like man i'm taking on the world i'm fighting everyone my tank's holding oh they're dying and it feels great and then every other fight after that, you just get obliterated. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where what lucky world you're in where you get that magically good fight. Uh, you know, you always see the videos of them, but I'm like, that's just fantasy land. They paid those people to go in that video. Like, I've never seen a situation this, yeah. where, where a Marauder's actually gotten a good fight and not gotten himself massively hot dropped. Or, or I, not just had the people run away from him because they're like, I can't, we can't fight that. Let's just leave. <laughs> If I could pay people to just throw like 15 battle cruisers at me that shoot like asynchronously uh, in my Marauder, I would do that every day. Like I would just be, I would just pay those people. Yeah, I'm skeptical sometimes. I like I watch like Bjorn or some other people and they're getting like, these really good fights. I'm like, they must be paying some of those people to like suicide into them. Like it's just like <laughs> definitely, dude. Everyone I fight paid actors for the last what five years. <laughs> I didn't say it was every fight, but every once, every once in a while, I'm just like skeptical. I'm like, this seems so crazy that people would do this, but the numbers game, dude. You're not, yeah, you're I, not seeing the losses, man. Oh, I, I, I giving me a good idea though, Billy. Get some stream cred by paying some people. Actually, to- that would be the best corporation <laughs> idea ever. Yeah. Eight actors to like suicide end of people. Yeah, <laughs> I need some. I need some rodeo circus clowns. Like, well, I mean, think about it. If you're going to take a Marauder out, that's like three bill. It's like, why don't you just pay like 10 people three bill for like an hour? And then they each make like 300 mil. And then you get like a good fight or two out of your, Mara- your Marauder. Like, because otherwise you just would have lost like three or four Marauders at the same time trying to get that one good fight. Could be awesome, right? I think uh, if, and I'm sure there are other people that have lost a lot of Marauders. But of the, the most notable people... I think Grath Telkin has probably lost about, and and this is not hyperbole. This oh, yeah. is not just guessing. Uh, this is not. Yeah, he likes those Vargers, doesn't exaggerating. he? Exaggerating. I think he's lost about three hundred fifty bill worth of Marauders uh, on him and his alts. I think he's lost three hundred and fifty bill just flying Marauders chasing that rush because he gets those fights every once in a while where it's perfect, um, but <laughs> every other time he just dies. Well, he goes out by himself looking for a fight. Yeah, exactly. Challenging people to come get him. And he gets... Well, the thing is, with, with Marauders, you can reliably take on like three, four, 10, 15 people sometimes if if you're, you know, in a situation like... Because I know with Grath especially, he likes to do that a bit in like high sec and a little bit in low sec. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that just... It works out perfect, as, you know, Bjorn said. Like, you, you get those fights. It's just they're so they're so rare from everything I've seen. I mean, it's such an endorphin rush too. Like, um, I mean, not for people that do it all the time. Like, I'm sure Bjorn being in Sutonia, I don't think they probably get the the same the same rush because they get it so regularly. But 
I mean, all Battleship PvP is basically roll a dice. If you get a six, you get a good fight. If you roll one to five, then you just die horribly. But at least now, when you have a Battleship fight, you can then transition it into a frigate fight right after. <laughs> the only problem is like anything that can probably kill your Battleship is just going to uh, kill your frigate pretty quickly. Yeah. Have you guys ever fought each other, Suetonia and Bjorn B? You guys are both uh, streamers uh, and incredibly capable pilots. You guys ever run across each other? I don't think I've ever killed Bjorn B. I think I've helped him kill something before, but that's it. I don't often run into you. Do you guys hunt in different areas or something, or different times? Oh, we play in different time zones normally. Like I normally play just after downtime because that's like about the time I get back from work. And Bjorn B normally streams like just before eighteen hundred ish. So normally I'm going like offline as his stream goes online. Oh, interesting. So. Um... We dragged you guys in here, um, and you guys are low sec and null sec. Uh, but we, but are any of you guys faction warriors? I was for quite a while in 2018 for a bit. Like I was in the TikToks called Progressive Feeding for about five to six months. I've never been in faction warfare, and I've only ever gone into those areas as a neutral and just shoot everything. Um, but after filaments came, I haven't soloed in low sec anymore. Yeah, I uh, I did faction warfare about a warfare for about a year on one of my characters when faction warfare just came out, and then I did it for another six months, like a couple years ago, on another alt to just kind of like build up a spies like background, and uh, build up a spies background. That's awesome. Well, yeah, if you want to have like a good spy, it's got to have like some some corp history, right? Like some kills and some stuff. A track record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a resume. So. Um, and in the last year or so, I spent way too much time talking to faction warfare people about their problems. So it's uh, I've gotten a fairly decent download of faction warfare at this point. I'm in uh, I'm in Parador Commander for the Amar Militia. I'll have you know. Uh, are you really? Or are you? Uh, I was uh, when faction warfare just came out. I uh, like Billy. I joined uh, with my corp. This is before I was in PL. Um, yeah, we I had the Galente title, summer. whatever that is. We spent the summer doing it, and uh, I was like the the most prolific pilot during that that summer because I basically griefed. I took a <laughs> I took a crow that <laughs> would go like thirty k a second uh, because I had snakes and polycarbons, and the, the mechanics were a little bit broken. I would actually really like to see those titles actually like matter a little bit and mean something. They would, of course, also have to reset them, but like, I, I would really like if those titles mattered because they're pretty cool for people, I think. Uh, one of the interesting things that's also coming that we didn't actually touch on is um, there are increased uh, loyalty point payouts for PvP kills in Faction Warfare. So they're, um, And they also, like I think a patch ago or, two patch, or a few patches ago, they reduced the, the payouts a little bit for, uh, for the uh, uh, PvE missions, for the agent missions. So oh, now that's this patch. they're reducing it and increasing it in this patch. Okay. I think, I think that's on Tuesday. Okay. So, so it's both. So, so now like uh, when you get kills in faction warfare, it's, it's like a uh, relatively more LP than before. But, oh yeah. You're getting more LP. And then also the mission farmers that don't do PVP at all for the most part, don't drive down the value of your LP. So you're getting more LP and then the LP you're getting is also worth more too. So hopefully that means the people who PvP in Factional Warfare can make more ISK and in that way they don't have to crab as much to sustain the PvP so they can hopefully PvP longer. It's I funny when you, have... you guys, when you and Vili say you guys started 
or you guys played Faction Warfare when it started. That was like 2008, 2009, right? That was like sure it was. 12 years ago. It was incredibly fun when I first came, like uh, when it was like uh, the new hot thing. The new hotness? Yeah, when it was the new hotness because it was super profitable. It was super fun. It was a way to get like that small scale fights like regularly. Um, and now, I mean, I still, whenever I want to play Eve for like 30 minutes at a time before the filaments came out, I would always just go to low sec faction warfare. I would never be in faction warfare, but I would just fly around in a frigate. And it was the most reliable way to get uh, some sort of like meaningful PVP. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, this is a side note, but the filaments and they're so good. What do they take away from? Like you can't any, anytime something is really good and everybody likes it, what are they actually taking away from? I think Bjornby, when we had him on, um, not last week, but the week before last, I think he called it best when he described them as um, like matchmaking. Uh, it's, it's like a kind of a ghetto matchmaking system where you can just... If you uh, don't have blues, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you don't have blues. <laughs> I was talking to someone in Horde who was super <laughs> excited. After that episode, he was like, oh man, I'm going to use these filaments. And he ended up taking the filament two jumps over. Uh, and he was still with his blues. He couldn't shoot anyone. <laughs> been hearing stories of people doing like the 15 man ones that are like 100 mil and just wasting like a billion just jumping to more allies just going fuck dude we're a billion down and we still haven't gotten a fight yeah i i mean i think the filaments are absolutely fantastic from the second i heard about them and i've really not been even remotely disappointed with them yeah it sucks for some people that you know you don't get as far a jump away as you want but it has to be random otherwise they can't exist so yeah true true it doesn't really take content away from the game either, like a, like a, an arena would or like Abyssal One D Ones possibly do, right? Because you're still like ending up in the universe somewhere where you can be interacted by everyone. Yeah, you know the if you want to know more about the filaments, how are they created? I think I haven't seen it yet, but the Meta Show had uh, CCP Rise and Signal, who's a programmer with uh, with Rise, on the show, and it was. Um, so check that out for more details on some of the stuff they design, like the film. Oh, that's how they were created in game. <laughs> oh, I see. What do you mean? That's how they were created in game, not how they're used. Well, no, no, no. The, the story of the creation of filaments is literally like rise having had having an idea and then it get expa- getting expanded on. Like I, I, re- I remember the inception of the idea. It was it was a beautiful thing watching it slowly grow. Oh, were you were you there? I guess so. Yeah. You saw, you saw the science. Well, he's like, he, he, like Rise is like talking with these like joyous tones. He's like, well, I just want to like randomly transport somewhere around the galaxy. Like, I just, I hate fucking traveling. Like, how do I do it? I just want to escape, you know, high second, randomly appear wherever, and like be able to like go shoot people, and like j- just like that's his like idea inception, and like it's slowly growing into this. It, it, you know, it's like Eggman is like, yeah, that's a great idea, do it, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And like, just just growing and it becoming what it is now, which is great. Shoot, I could be a designer. <laughs> so, uh, so, so a little more went into it than that. But like, yeah, I just right, remember dude. that like that inception idea where he's like, I just want to go around and shoot things, and I don't want to have to take fifty jumps through high sec. Come on, guys. Give That's one of the the most fun parts of the CSM is like the the after hours just chatting with people and watching ideas form like that, and just having those conversations. Yeah. Then you need a talented programmer to make it actually happen. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to flesh it out, which yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I think CCP has really like turned a corner in terms of devoting resources and developers into things that matter, and I think they've re- really you know stepped up their game in that regard in terms of putting people on uh, the things that are going to make a difference and. It, it, we're we're already starting to see some pretty significant results from it, so I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah, it seems like I mean, for all the pessimism of last year, it does seem like this year is is picking up the the pace, and we're seeing it. I'm seeing it in all kinds of different places, not just in TIS analytics, but uh, Eve Online as well. It also seems like internal morale at CCP is is uh, pretty good at the moment. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But it's important to remember too, like the success of Eve and how Eve feels, like how the community is reacting must have, like, I I can't say this 100%, but I'm sure it's true that like, you know, if everybody's, you know, down about the game and numbers are going down and everybody just feels like, you know, they're just working at a dying company, then, you know, nobody's thrilled about that. But all of a sudden, like numbers going up, people are excited, things are going good, numbers are going up, everybody's happy, everybody's really excited. Like the difference in those environments of the game absolutely affect the environment in the company. And I think, you know, just being able to take pride in what you're doing and knowing that the changes you're making are going to make people happy and, you know, give people exciting content has got to, you know, power them up like two more levels. <laughs> but to set like a true game player, power them up two more levels. Yeah. But I, and I think, you know, it should be pointed out, right? Like talking in stations, we try to remain optimistic. We try to filter out too much pessimism, but still being critical, I think, of the thing, the decisions that are made by players and by the company. But, you know, there's people who are kind of like, I feel beacons of light when it gets dark, like Bjorn B here, or even Suetonia, where um, there's just like, they're out there showing the game, playing it, and uh, bringing people along for the ride, uh, even when, you know, other people are being pessimistic. So I think that, you know, that needs to be like rewarded by players. All yeah, right. I don't think I've ever watched like uh, either Bjorn B or Suetonia stream. I don't think I've ever watched them and left feeling like dejected. I've always been like, oh man, there's still stuff to do in Eve. Like these guys are always finding like fights to be had or some sort of interesting content to do. Funny aside for a second, there is this one FC in the Imperium named Encosis. He's, he's new. Go easy on him. He has the best attitude and he is a total like ray of sunshine in a in a dark world it's very funny and people join him at his fleets and uh, just to get uplifted it's very 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 funny if you ever have a spy in the imperium go on an encosis fleet (laughs) all right let's um are we finished with the low sec patch what else was there there was uh the faction gates right yeah the gate sliding yeah, the gate sliding. We we briefly mentioned that it's only on the faction warfare gates, uh, but it activates in a brighter, in a bigger uh, radius, and it also has special new lighting, so you could see it. I feel like it's like you just had your back garden upgraded with fancy lighting. That's the an- analogy in my mind. It cracks me up. Uh, but uh, and gate sliding. Can someone explain gate sliding for the uh, audience newcomers? Uh, sure, I can take it. So previously, whenever you landed on a acceleration gate, whenever you come out of warp in a ship, you're invulnerable for some time until you take action. I think it's about 10 seconds. 
But if you just come out of warp and if you don't do anything, you're invulnerable. And gate sliding, like activating an acceleration gate didn't actually take away your ship invulnerability. So if you warp to the acceleration gate, typically people would warp to it at 10. So then that way you wouldn't bump off the gate so that you would, and a frigate definitely would warp into the site in under like 10 seconds before the invul was up. You basically were untackleable on the outside of the plex, so you could always get into the plex. But when CCP made a change uh, sometime last year where they prevented warp core stabs from getting into the plexes, what that did is that broke the 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 like the invul thing. So now when the game checks to see if you have stabs or not, it actually just breaks your invul. So now you can be targeted and killed on the outside of the FW gates. And the reason why people have been complaining is people have been using things like cloaky lokis or there's been things like nano gangs on the outside of these gates for, you know, like novice sites and small sites. And they're using ships that you t- wouldn't be able to get inside that plex. Yeah, I was using, uh, I was using Lachesis and I was sensor boosting it with uh, Hugin because you can't scan those down. Uh, so you could just sit outside of a, of a plex, uh, like if you were to do it right now. Uh, you couldn't scan down any of my ships because recons don't show up on uh, these scans. Uh, so you'd warp there, and instead of being invulnerable and go to do your frigate one v one, some jerk in uh, two insta locking recons will lock you up and kill you from range. Uh, so now, like with the increased size, uh, you can warp in and the kind of you can activate the acceleration gate from much further range. So someone that's camping it can't really do it effectively. And uh, you can go on and have your, your frigate fight without having to worry about fighting like a nano gang or something like that. All right. That was the, the low sec section. Low sec. Okay. Or the low sec patch. Do we want to talk about news next? Yeah. Unless there's anything else in this patch. Any, anybody else want to bring up anything about this next patch on Tuesday? Oh, no, I'm excited. Is, is that all that's uh, announced for that one? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Oh. Yeah, the, the, we, we should have just lied. There, there'll be more that happens, but we just don't know. It hasn't. I, I, I think it's supposed to be a surprise. Okay. We should have Aren't just they also reverting the uh, the dreadnoughts and the siege bonus to the weapons and something? They already did that. The uh, whole you already covered that. Okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. The haws were patched before that. That was I'm yeah. Bad. That was last one. Oh, that's good. You probably don't fly uh, dreads. No, I haven't. Often. I haven't touched dreadnoughts after they changed sinos and stuff. Kind of just overdid it for a while too. Yeah, so I think we've gone through this. Let me just read it. Uh, Non-faction war participants who choose to enter faction war sites will now get a suspect flag when activating an acceleration gate. A new faction war complex site will be added for battleships and smaller classes. Increased activation ranges for acceleration gates in faction war complexes. Increased LP payouts for faction war PvP kills. Champions of a low sec PvP contest, increased PvP loot drops and warp speed increase. Uh, th- and finally, this patch has the final one of the flight or fight quadrant. So the that's that means there's not going to be another. This is the last patch from this quadrant. So if the, anything that doesn't make it in on this patch, it's uh, well. If I'm referring back to the minerals dev blog from last month that said the next phase was supposed to be this month. So I expect there'll be more stuff in this patch on Tuesday. 
more stuff than is being written about so far. Yeah, CCP oh, retardist. Okay. But, you know, but no one's supposed to know about it yet. I don't know about it. No one else is yeah. supposed to know about it. CSM probably does, but can't talk. So uh, I'll, just, I'll just say this, like bear with CCP. They're, they're dealing with, uh, you know, obviously Corona is messing up their schedules and timelines and whatever else uh, as well. So whether you get stuff or you don't get stuff or you get too much stuff or whatever, like the whatever previous cycles they've had uh, don't I don't want to say don't don't like uh, expect them to keep them because I, I think they're one hundred percent really committed to you know making sure that people get what they want but just make sure you give them a little bit of leeway too just like everybody else they've got all kinds of that makes sense employment like I I I don't think I actually even know what what the answer to the question is but just you know mm-hmm. be, be generous with them at this point because uh, yeah. Yeah, I think they've been working from home for for two weeks ish or so. Probably right around the end, the uh, the end of uh, the CSM uh, summit. Yeah, it's really funny actually. We almost didn't end up having the summit. Like it was, and like this, that was like there was no cases in Iceland when we went. But every one of the CSM, except for like Sword Dragon, I think was like who was like already flying there like two weeks in advance. Everybody else was like because he's coming from like crazy countries. Um, you know, we were all like right on the fence of like if one or two people bailed, like we were all going to bail just because this was starting to ramp up. And it's not one yeah. of those things where you want to be traveling uh, international if you don't have to. Yeah, you really hit like the very end of travel or safe well, travel. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody had joked about it like, oh, so we're going to like get into Iceland, sneak in and sneak out right before this gets crazy. And like, you know, we'd all joke and said, yeah, ha ha ha. But that's exactly what happened. Like the day we were flying it, like there was the first like 20 word cases in Iceland. And we're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I remember thinking like uh, I actually probably wouldn't have gone if I were a CSM member because I was <clears throat> already getting paranoid. But you were right there on the border of like basically the world shutting down or the beginning of the world shutting down. Yeah, it, it was a great summit, but it was, yeah, the, the timing is just super, whew, that's not ideal. I think both um, Olmeca and Sort had to go into a uh, 14-day quarantine when they returned yeah, to their home countries. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Okay, Carneros, take us through the news. Okay. Okay, so uh, there was a couple of uh, interesting movements by corporations um, in the last week. Uh, if you... Maybe you've heard of Dog Fort. Their full name is actually the Terrifying League of Dog Fort. I don't know. It's a crazy name. They've been around a long time. There, there are a couple of uh, well-known FCs in the group. Thomas Lear or, or Kanan are a couple of them. They used to run a SIG in U.S. time zone called uh, Liberty Squad, uh, which was During, sort of... Um, but they were in Goon Swarm or the Imperium. They were in Goonswarm most recently, okay. but they were before that. They were in other uh, CFC uh, alliances, uh, and I use the old name because they've been around a long time. Uh, they uh, they went off on their own. I don't know why or or, or what the circumstances were. Um, they moved up to Vale of the Silent, uh, some old bastion stomping grounds, uh, and they. Uh, uh, didn't join another group. They formed their own alliance called Freight Train Diplomacy. I have no idea if their intention is to grow that as an alliance or keep that as their own thing, or I don't know what they're doing. But 
Uh, you know what? We should ask January to hunt them down and uh, maybe get them on a show one of these days. Let's see what went into their decision. Another group that made a change this week, uh, the uh, the celebrated PVP corporation, Elitist Ops. Yeah, you might know them by their ticker, Israd. So they um, they left Trigger Happy uh, and um, and went to one of their former groups, went back to one of their former groups. No, not PL or Goonswarm. <laughs> no, they did not go back to Snuffed Out, even though Snuffed Out is reforming. Instead, they went back to Weform Volta. So I assume they're going to be based out of Thera uh, and uh, uh, living with Volta. Not 100% sure on that, but that was an interesting change. Vol uh, Snuffed Out is reforming. I would have guessed they would have gone there. It would have been in keeping with the focus on low sec this week. But uh, uh, no, um, uh, they went to Volta. So keep in mind, Volta is about three times the size of Snuff at the moment. And if you see a wormhole open up in your system and Volta is coming out in, say, Loki's, you should be careful. Yeah, you so I can uh, I, I can say some stuff about the Dogport stuff because like, I haven't talked to anybody within there, but from what I'm tracking through the diplomatic channels, it is their intent uh, to go live up there in much the same way that... Uh, trigger happy was living in that area roughly uh you know they're a small group they don't want to you know get trapped in the heavy diplomatic ties of large alliances and they're looking for good fights and content is my understanding maybe i'm like you know as i said i'm not a member of their group so i can't say 100 percent. but that is my kind of understanding of their group they're trying to kind of escape the the blue donut and uh get themselves into you know the the more enjoyable small medium-sized content that uh, a lot of people really chase and obviously the elitist ops joining Volta thing is just uh, groups looking to uh, enjoy economies of scale. Volta lives in Thera. It's super easy, super casual to a degree where high PVP, high skill PVP groups go join that group. And then they get, you know, they just kind of sit in on the hunts and they enjoy content. It's super easy and laid back and fun. And, you know, it's very appealing to a lot of groups. Yeah, the ability to go pretty much anywhere is great. Uh, I know Suetonia has been has flown with the Thera boys before. You can probably attest to how how fun it can be to pretty much just pop out anywhere you want to get some kills and come home. Also, um, an alliance called Dead Heaven Syndicate. Um, the they dissolved and then sort of reformed. Uh, I will admit to having stolen one corporation from them, but the rest of most of the rest of them and one group one group of smaller corps. Uh, merged into a single corp and joined Siberian squads, but the rest of them reformed as Mechanicus Macabre. So we'll see how those guys do. And apparently Reverberation Project may have also disbanded uh, or be in the process of doing so. I, I have not spoken to Talon, even though I do know him, but um, uh, apparently Dogfort took some of their systems from them as part of that. Also, CCP Lebowski um, uh, announced his departure from CCP. He's been around a long time, nine what, years. What did he do? He was an engineer in the QA department. And I believe, I, I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure I'm thinking he did QA automation work. But um, my understanding is uh, he, he has a new ex exciting thing he's going over to. 
Yeah, he was always one of the people that you would see if you ever went to like an Eve Meter, uh, like Fan Fest or something like that. He was always super excited uh, by the players and and very, uh, he wears hard on his sleeve when he was around players. He really uh, seemed to enjoy it. He also did a lot of work for Eve TV. Um, So you've probably seen him before, even if you didn't know who he was. Definitely one of the more low-key guys, but definitely not something somebody who didn't contribute to the company. And I mean, it's always sad to see people go. But like any company, they're going to have you know people coming in and people going out at the same time, right? So yeah, turnover in the, in the industry is like three, four years. Carnaris probably knows a little bit better, but um, yeah. <laughs> being two, around three. for nine years, uh, I'm, I'm sure part of the reason was uh, the Eve players and also just a, a great community. Is McLeod, our engineer, managed to put them up on screen. Getting oh, yourself it's... trapped in Iceland does help keeping people in company too, I'm sure, a little bit. That is true. That is true. I've been trapped in Iceland once for a CSM reason. It was uh, my very first uh, CSM. I was an alternate, so I didn't even make it onto the actual CSM back when the CSM had alternates. What? Same. Me too. But uh, at the time, a volcano had erupted in Iceland. Oh, I remember that. It stopped travel at 4.30, and my flight was 4.35. So my flight got canceled uh, going back to the U.S. So I got stuck in Iceland for seven days. My first visit to Iceland also was that same time. And uh, the volcano was named Eyjafjallajökull. And uh, I, I ended I up having to... What, uh, <laughs> what CSM were you an alternate for, Elise? Uh, six. Okay. Well, I was an alternate for CSM 2, so I was like a long time ago. Carneros, you were saying? Yeah, was, that was, was, my, my, was my first visit. And I ended up having to stay for an extra week, I think. My, a week or two. Uh, in in the hotel and uh, yeah, that was before I was officially transferred from the Atlanta office to go work in the Reykjavik office. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're ice. You're uh, is it Icelandish? Are you- Icelandic. Icelandic. Uh- well, I took I took lessons while I was there. Yeah. <laughs> you get, that's where you get a lease. You yeah. almost knocked over your green screen. <laughs> I had free uh, yeah. lessons in the company for anyone who wanted to learn Icelandic. Uh, and it was during the weekday. You could you could take some time out of your week and go to go to the free classes. It was fantastic. It's one of the perks of living there. You know, so you know some uh, Mandarin and you should know some uh, Icelandic. You yeah. full of surprises. Uh, let's keep going. So <laughs> that's all the that's a whole new section I, was, I got for today. I said Icelandish because I was thinking of Elvish. <laughs> I want to learn Elvish, but I've never had free classes offered to me. Because Iceland's kind of mythical to me, so magical and mythical. Anyway. All right. So that's the, that's the news, right? I think we, I think we nailed it. We nailed it. That was so awesome. I assume you guys covered Pravi. You covered Twitch versus Eve. Um, we did, but we didn't have Bjorn B here, who was a big part of that. Uh, so let's go back for a second. Bjorn, what was your experience like yesterday? It's a lot of fun, man. It's the third time we did it. Um, Kind of blows my mind how many Eve streamers there are. And they say there's going to be 50 Eve streamers. Oh, really? You know? Because, um, I mean, I obviously don't know how many streamers are on the other time zones as well. And it's kind of hard to keep track of who streams when you're live yourself for like many hours a day. But it's really cool seeing the whole community come together. And especially with ECC peers joining the ISDs, kind of filling the ranks to have a bigger fleet and stuff as well. It's a lot of fun. It was very different to the first time we did it. Um, comms were a lot. I don't know, more organized, less just aids than they were the first time. 
So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And so a good iteration. Yeah, I heard you ended up in uh, in a big fight in uh, Providence. Is that right? Yeah, we had like a bunch of different fights and very different type of lead comps as well. Um, my fight, we ended up going down south. And that's always kind of a challenge with it, kind of getting people to go through high sec and stuff, because not everyone can go into high sec. But Pando managed to get people who couldn't go into high sec to join us in a wormhole. So he figured that part out. And we ended up going down south, uh, running into the DS, Dark Spectrum, and they kicked our asses. So we kind of left and got our asses kicked even harder further south. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. So yeah, 50. So the amount of streamers surprised you, huh? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy to see how many people can come together, especially when it's being streamed from, I think, 50 different perspectives or something. That's really cool. One thing, as long as we have you and Satonia here, as far as streaming EVE Online, um, is it a difficult game to stream? Um, d- depends on what you, what you want to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think like a, over the years, I've realized trading. How, um, how lucky we are streaming eve because there's always something to do if i was streaming i don't know PUBG or counter-strike or some other game um i get bored of those games whereas in eve i can always find something new to focus on and learn and become better at and i've got so much left to learn um and i've been doing this for like a little a little while a few years but i feel like i've still got so much i can progress and become better at um i think we're very lucky in that regard like how much there is to do you know Antonia? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way, you know, there's still, there's always like weird things that you can do, like, you know, that like you can just go to find some like obscure, like old missions on like 2003, like the Cosmos missions. Yeah. Are, are you, I thought those were broken, broken. <laughs> yes, they are. Some of them are, uh, there, there's Quite one broken. like mission in Syndicate that, uh, that has like Sancha and uh, Serpentis NPCs in it, and then it has like Amar NPCs in the like second room. <laughs> wow, is it secret treaties being made? One of my uh, one of my favorite like little bits of info that I, I ever gleaned from Sutonia from both his YouTube and his stream is when he uh, messed with the standings so the diamond NPCs wouldn't attack him, but they would attack people that would come to attack him. It was one of the most entertaining, cool things uh, that I've ever seen in EO Online that I would have never known about before. Like, I delve into every aspect of the game all the time, uh, and I've been playing what feels like for for 15 years, and I never would have come across uh, interacting with NPCs like that. It was the coolest thing. But when you're streaming uh, to both both you guys that stream often, um, I've watched you both stream, and it's... Uh, I. As someone who's who's very familiar with this game, it's it, it's uh, I just don't even know how you do it because you're able to way. give out so much information about what you're doing and what you think they're doing uh, as you're doing it. Like how you do that is, um, I think, is very difficult. So I was, I'm wondering if you warm up to that, or is it one of these things that you do it without um, feeling any embarrassment of screwing up long enough that you just you develop it as a language. And we're always going to screw up. And I think like, if you have the mentality of, I have to fall a bunch to you know, become better, then you're going to stick it out in EVE, like, first of all. So if you can show that to the people who are kind of timid and worried out there about PvPing, and you get that feedback from them too, they go, holy shit, I took out this fit they recommended. Uh, I died like five times, but here's my first solo kill. Like That alone will just keep you, you know, happy for a couple of days, you know? 
like you know that you're doing something good for those kind of people. And then over time, like when you start getting showered with isk and gifts and and stuff, you don't really care when you lose a ship. So like, doesn't really matter when I lose X amount of isk a day. So all I'm thinking about is getting the good and fun fight, one that excites me and that keeps me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, the you could also just fly like ten million is castles a bunch because you know they don't cost anything and you can and they're like super fun to fly. But yeah, you just you just get used to it after a while. Like I'm really not like the typical like social guy. Like I'm pretty much like as close as like awkward closeted nerd as you can get. Wait, when you're on are you camera, saying, you're, saying like... you're set up for quarantine quite well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's basically my normal lifestyle. Yeah, nothing's on... changed here, man. <laughs> When you're on camera, you're basically sliding off the camera half the time. I've noticed. It's almost like you're trying. Uh, to that's, just, that's just because of my like my the way my your, setup is pretty setup. awful. Well, the, the thing of it is, and I think this is something that a lot of Eve players maybe can relate to. And if not, this is a, a a cautionary tale of what not to do. And it's what I've done, which is paint yourself into a corner. And I've done that with uh, my whole career in Eve Online is to learn and learn and learn without really trying it and sacrificing and uh, facing the embarrassment of getting it wrong. And then you, at this point, right, you start talking about it and you're an authority on it. But if you go and do it, you're going to fall flat on your face. And there's just too much pressure. That happens with writing. That happens with Eve Online. It happens with podcasting. Like, in other words, if I were to now go and stream, <clears throat> I would lose every ship in the first uh, 20 fights for sure. If I haven't, I haven't been fighting that much. Uh, and the embarrassment of that is enough to keep me from actually breaking through that barrier and doing it. They shouldn't care I, about kill boards or yeah, anything. Yeah, I don't think just, there should just, be an embarrassment there. Um, but wouldn't that 21st one where you get a kill be so sweet? Yeah, but I'd probably have like a person and a half in the audience by that point. Like, <laughs> People aren't going to I, I think you might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think you might be surprised. People, People are more often than not like looking to see you die than they are to see you succeed. I mean, are, are you familiar Good. with Evan McLean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he got like about 10 viewers every time he streamed just because of, you know, those juicy cap kills. Well, that's, that's really good to know. So the, so the people that are watching you are supporting you through your, uh, your bad choices and destructions. Yeah, and they yeah, know well, you're you like know? the underdog. They expect you to die. Like they don't expect you to go out and beat everyone like they know you're going to die. They're just waiting to see how many you can take down before it. And if you go look at like some of the newer streamers that are coming up and are going out PvPing, yes, they're making a ton of mistakes, but they're learning and growing at the same time. You, like, you grow really quickly when you have a bunch of people coaching you because that's kind of what Twitch chat does. Some of them will just you know, watch and drop you and stuff, but there'll be people in there who help you, who go, maybe if you do this or in this fight, if you did that a little bit different, like, it'll help you grow so quickly. Some of the most popular Eve streams for as long as I've been watching Eve streams are like new players uh, that are trying out the game before. Like, I don't know what it is about Eve Online. I think I, I just don't know how to uh, quantify it, but they love to help newer people find their place in the game because the game is like so hard to, to start out with. Right. Or it's maybe it's not maybe hard is not the right word, but there, there are certain difficulties when starting out Eve Online. Uh, but once you stick, once you get past that, those initial hurdles, people like will stick to it for years and years and years. Uh, so there's there's just something built in to, to Eve players, especially Twitch Twitchy players, that they want to see people succeed and they want to help them get over that hurdle. 
It's also how they probably refine their own skills. And that's good. Yeah, what I meant as a cautionary tale is that you can get really good at EVE Online on paper, but you may not have, have the actual experience because you didn't risk it. Like you need to go and risk it. And that's, that's how I play. That's how I'm sure other people play as well. Like, sure, they know a lot about it, but they, don't, they actually haven't done it so that they can talk, entertain, and uh, think two steps ahead at the same time. I mean, you guys remind me of people who play guitar and sing at the same time. You're actually switching your attention back and forth between the instrument and your voice so fast that it looks like it's happening at the same time. Oh, just as soon as you just do something over and over again, it just becomes like a natural thing, right? It's just that. I mean, why do, why do you think like uh, Alliance tournament teams spend like hundreds of hours practicing like the same comps over and over again? Or, you know, why big alliances who go onto the test server and practice flying caps, you know, do considerably better than just people who don't? All about building muscle memory. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that habit, which is interesting because that's, I read a book on that, uh, that you're, even if you lose your actual memory, I'm putting it in a simple way here, even if you lose your actual memory, that if you have developed habits enough, the habit will actually take you through um, certain routines. So a guy who's actually lost his, his ability to, to hold information because his brain was damaged was able to find his way home if he walked around the block. And that was all due to habit, which is a different kind of memory. Uh, anyway, it's interesting. I think it's called the power of habit or something like that. Anyway, thank you guys for jumping in here. And uh, thanks to Elise and Carneros for taking us through today's show. We did an extra special long one because uh, obviously we have great guests, but um, we know that people are at home and have time to hang around. Yeah, your Netflix queues are probably like getting shorter and shorter. So you can get a chance you going. Thanks so much right. for inviting me, man. Uh, can I ask you one favor? Yeah, of course. Can you please bring out more of these like history of alliances on YouTube? I was watching some old stuff of yours uh, when Elise was talking about the history of PL from like seven months ago. It's like an hour and 40 mm -hmm. minutes. And it was so good and so fun to listen to, like old stories, people who were there who were talking about how they struggle at the start and all that stuff. I need more My of that, gosh. please. Don't, don't, don't start triggering me about Elise telling history. Every time he tells history and I'm involved, he like says something wrong and it makes me mad. And I'm like, I, I actually was watching one of those videos too. And he's like, yeah, and Villy created Omega Fleet. And I'm like, no, I didn't. God damn it. And it's like, <laughs> but I say with such authority. Right or not, I, I still enjoy listening to it. Yeah, I know. That's the thing though. You say it like, you know what you're talking about. And then yeah. everybody's like, yeah, that was Villy. And I'm like, God. Oh my. But, I mean, you posted about it the most. So I attribute it to you. Well, I'm the only one who ever got to attempt to utilize it in, a, in an actual fleet situation because there was literally only one time. But yeah, like, I certainly did didn't create it because I didn't think it was going to work. Right. Yeah, it was just theoretical, right? Wasn't it just theoretical? No, it was actually deployed in the battle of DW, D-W, DWT, something like that, around the curse area yeah, somewhere. One second. We were talking about Omega Fleet, which was supposed to be a counter to Slow Cats and the Wrecking Ball Doctrines of 2014 era. And this, this Omega fleet doctrine was dreadnoughts that were long range. They could pick off capitals at a safe distance, something along those lines. Yeah. So it was supposed to be artillery, Niagara fires and beam revs, et cetera. And like, I never really had, cause artillery, Niagara fires don't actually volley for that much. Like it's like 40, 50 K something like that. Maybe it was a hundred K. I can't remember now what it used to be or what it is now, but uh, it like, it's not that much. 
so I was like really skeptical about it working. And, uh, but you know, everybody else was like, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. I'm like, okay. And eventually, you know, there was this battle in, it was, was it DW, DW7? It's a D and a W, I'm pretty sure, but I can't remember now. Uh, and, you know, we had you guys locked down in a position and we dropped the dreads at range. And like, I so distinctly like getting mad because I had to try and teach like Elo Knight and who, uh, somebody can control the Russians, like how to properly like sync volley, like doing countdowns to all their fleets over a Skype call as they're all in their own mumbles and stuff. And like, <laughs> It, it was working okay for like the first 10, but the server was just shitting itself so bad. Like it was like terrible. So, so in over, in order for that doctrine to work, everybody has to shoot at the same time and get the most amount of alpha damage on a target. So it can't be repaired in time before it blows up. And that used to be common with uh, Armageddon's, the panic Geddon's. I think you guys created a pandemic legion. Oh no, that was a, that was a pro God legend special. Was it Pro-God? Oh, I thought he took it from you guys. All right, so. No, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> we would practice that on test server, the timing, the whole rhythm of it. But Yeah. I, so I correct think we, the record. So, well, no, I, I can't remember who made it, but I, I know it wasn't me. Oh, okay. But, but, I, but I was there the one time it was deployed, and I think we volleyed like 14 carries before the server crashed, and then the Titans jumped, as the Titans jumped in and started doomsdaying all the Dreadnoughts back, so. Yeah, the way I remember so, it is, it was deployed once, the server mostly black screen for you guys, and we just killed a bunch of nags. <laughs> well, was that we, we DY tech? Actually, but yeah. Is that uh, okay? I, I, I could have sworn it's DW, DW something, but... It was 2013, uh, December if, 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 16th. Oh, you, you found the battle? Yeah, DY tech P70. DY tech That's P. Actually, Oh, so where we have a keepstar now? <laughs> it's it's funny how oh, different make the that. same make the same system. Uh, yeah, no. make sure make sure you get credit for it as well. Oh, <laughs> Elisa and I will help. Oh Jesus! Don't start me! Don't start but, me! But yes, the uh, what's funny about that PL show that uh, Elise did was um, that it was a part one, and there never was a part two. <laughs> so people yeah, are still. I think, uh, I think we're saving it for when like the news gets really boring. And like nothing is happening. There's just nothing going on. Then we'll just unleash part two. Yeah, but we should do more. Uh, to your point, uh, Bjorn B, we'll, um, we'll dig into some of the historic stuff. Like there's not many people who really, um, I, it's weird. It, like people love Eve history to a certain point, but it gets sometimes can go so f far that it becomes irrelevant to, to people. Should, uh, and I'm just spitballing here, but when uh, Andrew Groen's book uh, does come out, I know he's, I think he's finished it already. It just... It's held up in actual physical publications since the factory's in China. Um, uh, Empires of Eve Volume 2. We should do a book club. What's that? We should do an Empires of Eve Volume 2 book club when, uh, when that book comes out. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, one other thing. I have a lot of recorded material. I should actually start releasing it from people who were here at the very beginning of the game, like people from Moo, uh, people from uh, Arcane Technologies. Uh, these are guys that were pre- I mean, this is when like Stain Alliance and Curse Alliance were a big deal. It's like the Mu, beginning of the game. Moo was the ticker for Masters of Ownage. Just, you have to explain these things. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. But uh, uh, so these guys were kind of like the pioneers. For instance, uh, Masters of Ownage or Moo were the guys that gate camped around, um, I think it was Lone Trek, and were so thorough in destroying every industrialist freighter that went through low sec 
that they developed um, gate guns in Losec. The gate guns didn't start there. Uh, so they, they added those later to kind of um, to dissuade people from just ganking so hard uh, in, as soon as uh, people traveled through Losec. Well, anyway, this has been great fun. We'll do more, uh, more stuff. Uh, it looks like we're all going to have a lot of time. So <laughs> we'll see how that comes out. Um, but for now, I want to thank you guys for showing up. Uh, Bjorn B, Suetonia, Vili, thank you guys for jumping in. Carneros, uh, Elise, and of course, McLeod is bringing up all the visuals, and he's the guy that found that battle for you, uh, Vili. Uh, I also want to wow. say we're going to have, um, if you're interested, Eve Echo's show later today, so you might want to check that out. I believe it happens... Don't know the actual time, but it's uh, to look for that. You look for announcements inside of TIS Discord. Uh, thanks to our producer, January, and our showrunner, uh, Artemis Alboza. Do you guys have any uh, last thoughts? Not really. Just thanks and keep doing what you're doing. Fight the good fight. All right. So, Will, uh, at least it looks like you're going to keep up. At least he's talking to his fleet. Oh, is he on different comms? Yeah, okay, we can't hear you. All right. All right. One last chance. All right. He's waved us off. All right, his mic went out. That's that's uh, that's the cane coming out to pull us off the stage. <laughs> but listen, we had uh, a good time. Thank you for showing up, and we'll see you in GIS Discord. Thanks, everyone. That's all we have uh, this time. We'll see you next time on Talking in Stations.